0: Our gospel reading for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. I invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord to you. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Almighty God, may my words be your words. May all of our thoughts be your thoughts, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In his book, The Second uh, Mountain, David Brooks describes something called a telos crisis. Uh, Telos is the Greek word for goal uh, or purpose. He says that a a telos crisis is defined by the fact that people in it don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what their purpose is. It's a, a kind of malaise Of uncertainty about who they are and what they're living for. He says that that people who are experiencing a crisis like this, a telos crisis, have basically kind of lost the thread or the story for their lives. Uh, Maybe you know what this is like. Maybe you have uh, had a telos crisis. Maybe uh, you're in the midst of a telos crisis right now. Uh, I think that certainly the pandemic uh, created a crisis like this for a lot of people. But maybe you're not in crisis this morning. Maybe you just have a kind of nagging feeling or a lingering feeling that you're not where you should be. Or uh, you wonder if you are following God's plan. Have you ever wondered that? Am I following God's plan? I'm often asked this question as a minister, uh, this question of if God has a specific plan for each of our lives and how to know what that plan is. And I have to be honest, as a parent, to two young sons, I am worried far less about the plan for my own life at this point, and worried about the plan for them. I mean, just last week, witnessing them throwing snowballs at each other's faces from four feet away, my prayer was like, please, God, like, let there be a plan for these children. (laughs) You ever had those moments where you're just like, I don't know, I trust them to you. What is God's plan for my life? It's a sincere question, and uh, I wish that I had a playbook for each of you. Uh, Spoiler alert, I do not have that playbook for any of you. But I can tell you that God's plan is always to partner. That is God's plan throughout all of Scripture, from creation to Abraham to Moses to the prophets to the calling of the disciples to the sending of the apostles. God's plan is to partner with his creation, with you and with me. And to use our specific gifts, our experiences, uh, and even our desires to some redemptive end. To use us as vessels of mercy in the world. And and that's what I think it means to have a calling. Uh, Well, the scriptures for this morning, both the Jonah passage as well as the gospel passage, are about calling. And both of these passages tell us that a calling is something that, that someone else asks you to do. And you do it for them and not for yourself. That's what a calling is. It's the defining feature of a calling. In other words, a calling is not just something you dream up for your own life. A calling is a summoning. You are summoned and you answer that call. Well, Jonah's calling was to go to to Nineveh and to preach a message of grace. Uh, We don't know much of anything about Jonah's life up until this point. Uh, It's safe to assume that Jonah was not having a very good day when when God called him the first time, right? He was not happy. This is not how he thought his life would go. Uh, We're not told if he had any kind of special training, if he had any preparation at all. We don't know if he had any experience in foreign policy. We just know that God called him to go to Nineveh. And the reading for today tells us something very important, which is that this is the second time that God has called Noah to go to Nineveh. The first time... If you remember the story, it did not end well. Um, Jonah tried to run away only to be, uh, for God to find him aboard a ship heading to this place called Tarshish. And in the midst of a great storm, uh, which the sailors come to find out is all Jonah's fault, they throw him overboard. And then he is swallowed by a a big fish. And I think this detail tells us something very significant about uh, God, which is that God is graciously, graciously persistent. Uh, in uh, calling us. Uh, There are times when I've heard Jonah preached uh, where the the fish that swallows Jonah is is kind of used as a form of judgment. It's not judgment. The fish is not God's judgment. It is God's grace. Without the fish, Jonah would have surely drowned in those waters. The point is, uh, in the goodness of God's grace, uh, you can't miss your calling. God won't let you. So Jonah eventually found his way to Nineveh uh, and he preached, I think, what is probably the worst sermon in all of Holy Scripture, uh, if you can even call it a sermon. He says this, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. There is no, uh, not a single word of hope in this sermon, no good news. Uh, there is no humor. Uh, there is no uplifting story. And yet, we are told that Nineveh believed God... And not only believed God, repented, which is incredible news for a preacher like me on a day like this, right? Apparently, God's plan can be accomplished with, like, the most minimal amount of effort and faithfulness. In the Gospel reading, we're told that Jesus saw some men fishing, and he called them to follow him. And what did they do? They dropped everything that they were doing, and they did just that. Like Jonah, they had not been to seminary. They had certainly not been confirmed. They had never led a Bible study or been part of a small group. They were just fishermen. And no offense to fishermen, but they were not exactly the kind of people that you would expect to change the world. And yet Jesus found them. He called them as they're working their day jobs, and they answered. And that we are sitting here today in this sanctuary worshiping The God who is revealed in Jesus Christ tells you that God can be trusted to take very ordinary people and to make extraordinary things happen. That was true for Jonah. It was true for the disciples. And it's true for you and me. The hardest part is believing that is true. But these stories tell us that that calling is not something that is reserved for people with uh, special training or the right gifts. Uh, God does not often pick the right people, or at least the people that you would expect. And God does not seem to mind whether you feel ready at all. So how do you know what your calling is? How do you know what your calling is? I think actually that there are two callings, that every Christian has two callings. And the first is to receive, first, receive the grace of God in your life. Uh, you fulfill this calling. I think just acknowledging that the shaping reality of your life is not what you are able to make for yourselves, but what God makes of you. And then you have to live from that. And so every act of love and justice and mercy, every time you take a risk to heal something that might be broken, you fulfill this first calling. And we all share this first calling. Whether you are uh, an architect, a teacher, a stay-at-home parent, whether you are a CEO, you are all called to receive and to live the love of God for yourself and also for your neighbor, for the world. But we all have another calling too, and I'll call this a contingent calling. Uh, Andy Crouch says this calling is to make the most of today while it is still today. To make the most of today while it is still today. Uh, We are, each of us, called to particular places, to neighborhoods, to workplaces, to schools, to homes. And we are called to these places Not to just exist, but to serve, to share our resources, our energy, our talent, our very lives in service of other people in these places. The point is that these callings kind of change over time, right? I'm called in a very unique way to be a parent right now, in a way that will change. As you all know, when my kids go off to college, please, dear Lord, like let them one day do that. Our callings change. These contingent callings change over time. But the point is that these contingent callings are still holy callings. And forgive me if this seems just completely obvious to you, but this was not always the case. Before the Protestant Reformation, um, the, people, uh, the only people uh, who were thought to receive a calling were clergy, people like me, or people like monks and nuns, those were, who were uh, part of religious orders. Uh, back then the world was kind of more neatly divided into the secular and the sacred. And the church was thought of to be the only sacred place, the only location of the kingdom of God in the world. And so only those who had jobs in the church were considered to have a holy calling. But one of the most uh, defining theologies to emerge out of the Protestant Reformation was something known as the priest of all believers. The belief that we are all called, and therefore all of our work Paid or unpaid is holy work. I love my job. You know, I love this robe, this stole. You know, it's very, very fashionable every Sunday. I feel called to this job. I, I, I love serving churches. Um, but don't let this outfit fool you, right? This job is not any holier. It's not any holier uh, than staying at home with your kids or leading a company or selling insurance or being a teacher. It's not any holier than that. In his poem, How, How to Be a Poet, Wendell Berry has a line that has always stuck with me, and it goes like this There are no unsacred places. There are no unsacred places, only sacred places and desecrated places. In other words, there is no distinction between the sacred and the secular world. You can profane what is sacred, but the point is, is that all of creation is already sacred to begin with, and therefore, all of our work, again, paid or unpaid, has the possibility of being sacred work. Has the possibility of, in some way, having a redemptive purpose to it. Christopher Wren, who is the the architect responsible for building St. Paul's Cathedral after the the great fire of of London, tells the story. And I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but it's a great story and it fits my sermon, so let's just pretend that he definitely said this. Uh, He recounts a time when he was walking the length of the partially rebuilt cathedral, uh, and he asked three bricklayers kind of what they were up to. And the first bricklayer said, I'm working. The second bricklayer said, well, I'm building a wall. And he gets to the third, and the third pauses. He looks up, and he says, I'm building a cathedral to the Almighty. The bricklayer says that. I think many of us feel like that first bricklayer. I'm just working. I'm just day by day, taking one step after the next, grinding away. But the truth is is that whatever we are called to, whatever we're called to, is a cathedral to the Almighty. It is sacred, holy work. You have a calling. Uh, You might not know what it is yet, but you do. And uh, I guess if you are uncertain about what it is that you're called to right now, my suggestion would be to begin wherever you are. To begin wherever you are. Uh, you don't have to go to Nineveh uh, to fulfill your calling. Probably I would question that actually right now uh, if you were called to Nineveh right now. Like, let's have coffee. Uh, begin where you are. Look around. What it needs do you see? What does your community actually need? What does your family need right now? I think this is the, the best place for us to begin. Uh, even before considering your gifts or your desires, what does the world around you need right now? then consider maybe how God has uniquely gifted you uh, to fit that need. Begin where you are, uh, use whatever you have, and do what you can. And I promise you that God will meet you in that endeavor. When I was here uh, in August, uh, when I was here to preach my candidacy sermon, remember? when I was, You all remember that sermon. I know you do right? It was like the do you like me kind of sermon. Will you vote? Yes, please. Um, I hope so. I don't have a job. Um, But I preached that sermon. And in that sermon, I told you of a benediction that Dick Halverson uh, used for years. Again, I know you all remember it. Um, But he served, Dick served as the chaplain of the U.S. Congress. And as he sent lawmakers out into the world, he, he said this, you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you there. Wherever you are, God has put you there. He has purpose in putting you there. Christ, who indwells you, has something he wants to do wherever you are. Believe this and go in his grace and love and power. Well, after that service uh, and after that sermon, Carolyn uh, Kinney, whose memorial service uh, we celebrated yesterday and whose uh, these flowers are from, uh, their family. uh, Well, she told me after that service that she had known uh, Dick that she and Kent had known Dick, that that actually Dick had uh, married them, and they were friends, and she was very familiar with this benediction. And it took me all of 30 seconds knowing Carolyn to understand what she meant by that. She didn't just know the benediction. She lived it. She was someone uh, in this congregation who trusted God's call on her life, went where it was God called her, and was the kind of person through whom everybody around her experience God's love and mercy. And yesterday in her homily, uh, which if you haven't seen, I think it's online, it's a beautiful homily. Uh, Christy said that through Carolyn, though Carolyn had never been ordained, she was a minister. Though Carolyn had never been ordained, she was a minister. And she ministered for years here in this congregation and in this community. And I think the best way for us to honor her memory is to do the same thing. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. What would it mean for you? Truly, what would it mean for you to trust that God has put you right where you are for a purpose? Like Jonah, you probably can't run away from it anyway. And if you're worried at all that you might miss it, that you've missed your calling, the good news is that God won't let you. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. My friends, believe this and go today in his grace and love and power. Amen.